Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hello and welcome to the Dark Forest. I'm Jackie Cation, sitting in my living room in Van Nuys. It's pretty damn glam- glamorous. Uh, episode 22 of the pre-recorded. Uh, as you know, the not pre-recorded, available on the archive. Dorkforest.com, JackieCation.com. There's a donation button. A couple of you used it this week, and bless you. Your tiny little minds and hands and uh, credit cards. God love you. Anyway, there's merchandise if you want a Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt or a, a, a CD. The credits, of course. Patrick Brady makes the audio work. God bless him. Mike Rickberg sings some songs, open and close. And Vilmos does the website. Sitting in my living room, friend of the show, never done a pre-recorded, Murray Valeriano. This is my first time. I'm very excited. I'm did I get your name right finally? Valeriano? Oh, my God. You got it right. I did, because I always mispronounce uh, his last name. <laughs> Valeriano. the first time in 10 years. Exactly. We've known my each last other. name right. Uh, James Urbaniak. Exactly. I got Urbaniac. Many say Urbaniac. Oh, do they say Urbaniac? I would have said Urbaniac. Many, many people I know for years say You are Urbaniac. I am Urbane, but it is Urban. But, I mean, who knows what it was in the original Polish pronunciation. Ah, the crazy Poles. But uh, my family says Urbaniac. There are probably other Urbaniacs in America who say Urbaniac. I have a question about... totally random, really. About your Polish ancestry, if I might. Yes. Uh, When did your people come here? My uh, father's father came over like in the teens. And, uh, okay. Classic right. Ellis Island on the boat. Was sure, it. sure. Early 1900s, sort of. So the teens. Yeah. Oh, no, I like it. How about, well, what my, the heck? My, How about grandpa- you? Yeah, my grandfather came over, I would say, in the teens, also from a little country called Italy. Uh, my grandfather also came over in the teens as well from a little country called Turkey, fleeing the Turks. There you go. <laughs> uh, chased like a crazy person. Uh, now like my an mom's Armenian. side is like old Irish American, and they probably go back to like nineteenth century or whatever. I don't Civil know how War, far maybe. Back. Mm. Potato famine. Ooh, nice. Oh, okay. Forties, I think, right? Or sixties? Eighteen. Like the eighteen sixties, probably. I, I think mm. they go back, uh, you know, a long time. Nice. But uh, yes, I am a second generation. Uh, I'm a, I, you know, I want to be a genealogy dork. It hasn't, uh, it hasn't ever taken. It's interesting. I'd love to go to Poland. I've never been to the old country, and I don't speak anything except like "How are you? Fine." But my and dad. Grew how about up the speaking. food? The food we had, uh, yeah. You can we do the had food, lots right? Of good peasant Polish cooking growing up. Oh. Gawumki. 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 All right. And, uh, how do you it's spell like a that? cabbage dish. And, uh, <laughs> With a G. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you spell it. <laughs> I'm going to just say Gawumki, and there's cabbage yeah, involved. And, All right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, of course, kielbasa and uh, pierogies. Oh, sure. Pierogies, yeah. stuff. I never liked kielbasa. My brother loved what? it. What? I never liked it. I don't know why. Oh, I love kielbasa. Wisconsin happens, is chock full oh, of Poles and Germans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was weaned on that stuff, man. Kielbasa and bratwurst. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of the all of the sausages. Ah, <laughs> oh, dick joke. So early, yeah. so early in the show. Yeah. It's. Uh, I'm very excited you're both here. It's. Uh, I I got to meet you the other night, James Urbaniak, when we were both yes. on a storytelling uh, thing, and you told yes, a we story about the theater. Yes. And uh, your love of the theater prior to doing the theater. Like you lived in New Jersey and just went and saw theater. Yeah. Uh, time out. Don't mean yeah. to interrupt. Where in New Jersey? I was oh, born right. in Bayonne. Okay. Which is a big has a big Polish community. Sure. Before I mentioned Polish people, Northern right? Jersey? Yeah, it's right like across from New York, basically. Sure. It's just like right Like across. by Weehawken and yeah. Hoboken. Kind and of that, that. yeah. Union it's in Hudson City? County. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's it's next to Jersey City. Oh nice. I am from Wayne, New Jersey. Hello. Wow. Which is right out with the uh, fountains uh, yeah, with store the, the that fountain became store. immortalized. The Fountains of Wayne, the which they're Rome. actually uh Fountains of Wayne are from Montclair. Yeah. But they got their name from Fountains of Wayne from a fountain store next to the DMV. Then when I uh, was eight years old, we moved to Marlboro, which is in Monmouth County, which yeah, yeah. is like next to Freehold. Which That's Springs more central, from. right? Yeah, kind of central Jersey. Yeah, yeah. And then I, when I grew up, and that sort of, then I ended up hanging out on the sort of Asbury Park, Long Branch, mm-hmm. nexus of the Jersey Shore. Okay. That's where I, so you, that's you, where I was a youth in the 80s. In the Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore. Like did did you? Guys I am one pull? of those people. I that is those are my people. Those yeah, are you, your... you can't tell, but he's wearing a uh, Hardy T-shirt right <laughs> yeah. now, and he is. It's a white beater. I've been working out. 
We've been oh working God, yeah. hardcore. Sweet tats. Yeah. <laughs> do they have sweet tats? I assume they do. I've never yes. seen the show. I saw a guy with a with a. Um, I don't know why I'm not on that show since I'm. That is my background. Those are your people. Yeah. You are you are a shore person. As I'm me, a, I'm not a shore person, being from Wayne. But you are a shore. I'm a charming, uh, you know. Yeah. Why? Uh, <laughs> I I hate that show, and I've well, never seen doesn't? it. Well, but the thing is, is is I went to Atlantic City one time. And I didn't think it was real. Well, I never I, thought that the Jersey Shore well, thing was my, real. What I've gleaned is that they're not necessarily even from that area. Some of them are from other, like New York or whatever. They've uh, had yeah, to call actually, white yeah, trash yeah. from yeah. the entire tri-state area. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had, to, I had to talk about this on a show the other day. Allow me to judge, by the way. <laughs> it's, they're not here. They're not Jersey they're, Shore, George. They are not from Jersey. Like two of them are from Jersey, and the rest of them are from like New York. And I mean, people New go York to and the Long Jersey Island. Shore to hang out, but it doesn't have the uh, actual authentic people that's what we're looking for i'm looking for the authenticity of uh i i overheard well you're looking at the jersey authenticity right here with me and james urbaniac this is this is the new jersey that i literally in a house how often does that happen (laughs) (laughs) usually you're in a bar right yeah or at a stadium but we're literally (laughs) in the house the only other place in jersey i've been to besides atlantic city and the airports are uh princeton and i did comedy in princeton and even the townies are smart in princeton at catch rising star yeah, that Hilton. It's yeah, a yeah, one. Yeah. It's like a one nighter, two nighter. We used to oh. go to Atlantic City a lot because that's not near it's, where I it's grew a up. Nickel. But my dad uh, was a, uh, a taught in public schools, and they had the teacher. He was a teacher, and they had the teachers' convention. Oh, for the teachers' union, and uh, they You'd would go have it the in the Atlantic and... City in the go-go seventies. All right, the sort of. Um, Pre-casino, just kind of down and out. Yeah. Oh, it was just all this sort of early seventies. It was kind of a rundown, kind of like Venice, because Venice was pretty, pretty pretty dodgy in the seventies. In the seventies, pretty dodgy. Yeah. 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 And uh, I just remember like old the teachers' convention uh, because you'd all go, the whole family, the whole family would go, and there would be like guys. Uh, trying to sell like potato peelers with their spiel, you know, like on the boardwalk, just have you know guys with little stands, just because oh. when a convention was in town, right, right. Uh, then you'd have guys who weren't related to whatever the convention was, right. They're just trying to move gizmos, right. A whole bunch of people are there because you know because right. it's kind of a sad place. So there's a whole bunch of teachers there. So then I remember like these sort of old straw hat. Guys, but, and let me show you what this does. Look at this. Peel a potato. And a lady was watching this. She had a heart attack. Like, you know, they got a shtick and everyone's laughing. Yeah. You know? Like, real classic old, you know, convention. Yeah, my dad used to, my dad's a salesman. He used to take us yeah. to conventions mm-hmm. and have us go watch the uh, the pitch. It's not like you would walk knives. around and guys would be selling chalk or erasers. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. There'd be just people selling anything. Anything. Because like, they just came to town because there was this influx. Right, hey, right. sir, you look like you might yeah. know. You, you might need a potato peeler. That you can also open a bottle with. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there was always like stain removers and all kinds of liver oil. And, and that's what I remember. Uh, were there, and also like lots of novelty shops. I remember there being lots of novelty shops. Great place to buy a kite. With like body t-shirts. And it always uh, seemed a little adult that's and still happening. to me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still yeah. happening. You know. Ah. Mm. Uh, we got that Wisconsin at the Wisconsin Dells. We got things set with Wisconsin with Bucky Badger relieving himself behind a tree. Yeah, there that's you classy go. stuff. Classy I, stuff. To, I, I vacationed at the Wisconsin Dells when I was a kid. You know how to party. I do. Right. When I was a kid. I've I been to Wisconsin really many times. My wife's family lives there. Lives in Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, they live in huh? Fort Atkinson. Oh my gosh! All right, you know where that is? I do. Uh, I've seen the exit anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it's, and, it's off uh, it's off the ninety four. Janesville areas of sure Janesville very lovely there's a methane gas uh, at night is beautiful coming out of the toxic waste dump it always lit always lit. <laughs> very romantic that area Janesville and, uh, we were just there for the holidays oh were you were you in Fort Atkinson for the holidays yeah oh, Fort. okay yeah, Fort we call it how cold was that oh that's 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 chilly yeah that chilly. give me give me throw, throw out a number throw out a number. I don't. It was like fifteen. Totally freezing. Yeah. No? I don't remember being that bad. Oh, you think it was not even? It was more like twenty-ish. Okay. Oh, well, I hate to one up you guys. <clears throat> Where were you? Montana. Montana. Negative twenty. Negative oh, yeah, twenty. No, negative like twenty. That. I it was, was just in Minneapolis. It was negative twenty. Really? And was... negative twenty-three was the wind chill factor. So Ugh. negative forty-six degrees. No, so it there must was no. Uh, it had just snowed before we arrived, and then mm-hmm. through the like the week we were there, the snow was melting. And that's beautiful mm-hmm. at Christmas. That's oh, where you want to go. Great, and I have little. 
children now who are now Cali- who are California kids, obviously, so it's nice for them to go see this exotic snow. I love the idea of Dr. Venture <laughs> having children. Yes, I have uh, <laughs> I have actual, I have two children. You have two children. Dr. Venture. I have a boy and a girl. Okay. Once I was at, this is a true story, I was at the L.A. Zoo, and I was uh, uh, standing in front of the gorillas with my son, and I was talking to him, and a guy came up to me and, and said, Excuse me, I just, I overheard your voice. Are, are you James Urbaniak? <laughs> <laughs> nice. He said, yes, I am. And he said, oh, I just, I love the Venture Brothers. And I thought, oh my God, I sound like Dr. Venture talking to my son. <laughs> we, were, we were like, there were gorillas present. It was like a scene from the show. Yes. How old is your son? Uh, my, I have a son and daughter. Yes. Who are the same are... age. They oh. are, they are twins. They are twins. Oh. And they will be five in April. Excellent. Uh, you should have them clone. We're going to go. Uh, well, I boy don't. and girl are uh, oh, duh, always of course. fraternal. Uh, it's, uh, that they... old joke is that uh, John Bush used to do it. Him and his sister are, are twins, and someone would always say fraternal, and he'd say, no, no, she has a bigger dick than I do. Yeah. And, uh, no, actually, yeah. uh, people very often ask that because they just don't really think about it. Yeah, you got to yeah, think it through. That officially, if they have different equipment, they're not identical. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Even if they resemble each other. But right. uh, yeah, okay. So I don't know the level uh, where you <laughs> draw the line on identical <laughs> and where we're, it we're is. We're going to draw it at genetics. We're going to draw it at line is right at the gender. belt. Gender. Yes, at the belt. Right below the belt. That's where they draw the line. It's. I do. Uh, so here's my Venture Brothers dork question. Please. Just off the off the bat here, which is, uh, do you do you tape uh, separately or do you do sometimes as a are are you we take some of the separately? Okay. Only, the first season, there were a couple times where a couple characters would be in the same room. I remember recording at the same time with Steve Rattazzi, who plays Doctor Orpheus. Mm-hmm. And then that only happened oh, a Orpheus. handful of times. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we only record separately. So like done really incrementally. You know, you just right. do your part and then they kind of go over There's a lot of several acting. takes. And then what they do is then construct a audio track from all the different sessions that everyone's takes. And right. that's what they base the animation on. So it, and it comes off like we're really talking to each other and mm-hmm. there's great chemistry. But like for the first three years I worked in the show, I was never in the same room with Patrick Warburton. Really? But primarily because I lived in New York. I moved here. He does Brock to LA. I moved okay. to L.A. a couple of years ago. But uh, prior to that, I was in New York, and he was in L.A., so there was... Oh, and you were doing it from New York? I, yeah, yeah. And the show is based in New York. The production offices are based in New York. Oh, okay. I did not know that. That's uh, uh, so, so not a lot of... I, I like the idea of the table read. No uh, table with, read. With, with animation, which <laughs> I understand that there is none. <laughs> well, there... Yeah, there... So, I don't... There is... Uh, I had Marsha I, Wallace on, and she said they don't do any table reads either. Yeah, I did... I Even on The Simpsons, they don't do Yeah, they don't do it on The Simpsons. I haven't done a lot of other... Well, I've never done another series, but I have done um, a handful of pilots for shows that have are not animated? become... Yeah, have okay. not become shows. Like, a couple are still waiting to hear. <laughs> Fair enough. But I did want to add Knock on Fox, and they... And we were all there together. It was like doing an on-camera thing. Okay. We were all called in the morning. We all hung out, and then we recorded together. And they said that they did a lot of that there. Though maybe they don't do that on The Simpsons. Did they do that on The Simpsons? She said that they do not. They do not. She said sometimes there's maybe two, but that's about it. I guess maybe it was this particular, whatever, this particular uh, producer or this, you know, these different places have different departments. But where we recorded this stuff, they said they've done this before. Okay. Uh, but I, that, to, my understanding is that's actually kind of the exception. That usually the standard is you se- do it all separately. separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Would you prefer doing it with other people in the room? You know, it's kind of fun, but there's, I can understand the uh, usefulness of doing it by yourself. Because mm-hmm. then you can just knock it out, I suppose. And then... Well, it's, but also in the case of like Jackson Public, who directs the Venture Brothers. He very, very meticulously directs and really has a lot of ideas about what he wants and how he wants to get a certain line or moment just right. Okay. And we'll, we'll do like a chunk or even a line over and over again. Oh. So it's probably a little more efficient to do it that way. So you're just concentrating on that one person mm. and all these little beats right. and levels of playing. So we go in there, but it, it can take quite a while to do like an episode because he really takes time. And I think you can hear it in the show, and that's part of what people respond to. There is a kind of... It, nuance and in recent years there's even been kind of more emotional levels that have kind of right there's more of an arc to it and it's yeah, yeah and i have to say that um that it is you can tell the amount of work that goes into the venture brothers just because of there isn't a it's 
There's so much packed into it. Yeah. Oh, I can't even follow all the stories and characters. There's usually... You know how, like, there's usually an A and B plot? Yeah. There's usually four plots oh, going Oh, yeah. On. There's, yeah. like, the whole alphabet in there. Yeah. There's <laughs> and when I get it, like, you know, then time goes by, and then you get a new script, and I'll read a script, and I'll have to go into my Gmail archives and find old scripts. So that you can figure out... Or put them on DVDs and go, now, who is this again? Oh, right. Wait, what is the... First three seasons are available on DVD, <laughs> by the way, ladies I and gentlemen. I sitting right behind I actually, Yes. Uh, my husband is a DVD giant player. fan. He also has, a, a, I think it's Agent 24 action figure over there. Or Hello. One of the yeah, henchmen. I'm Dr. Venture. We just got action figures uh, <laughs> Oh, there's an action... Year. Oh, yeah. excellent. Yes. it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I know he wants them all, but uh, so far he's only received right. the one. And uh, he loves an action figure. That was funny. Uh, Jackie kind of handed me the season three. I, have, I hate to admit I'm not too familiar with the Venture Brothers, but that's quite all right. My, all, a lot of my friends are, so I'm. We'll, we'll love bring cartoons, you in, we'll and I'm excited in. to see it. And Jackie says, "Oh, well, here, season one, season two, and season yeah. three. I'm like, great. Thanks for lending me these. And I was like, oh, they're not. I don't actually know if I can lend those to you, Andy. <laughs> I don't know if Andy has a. Plan. So I thought I was going but home sure with the can. first three seasons, but she was just bragging. That I was just bragging, was <laughs> and I was just like, "We'll just put it in." We'll just, but season four now, when's that coming out? And you said that there might be that there's something else happening. Can, well, can you announce yeah, that well, or no? It hasn't been. Nothing's been officially announced. Okay. And the only thing that Jackson said on his blog is. There will be more Venture Brothers. Well, so my we understanding go. is that's all I can officially say. I like Draw it. Draw your own conclusions. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, do right. you have, I have a question. Can I? Please. Okay. Do you I, have yeah. only one director for the whole series, or do you have a few different directors? No. Well, here's how it works. For the sessions, the recording sessions, it's mostly this guy, Jackson Public, who okay. created the show. Uh, he mostly he directs it, and then his co-writer, Doc Hammer, will chime in occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then for the actual um, construction of the animated show, you know, that's based on the track, they have other people who do come in and do that. So okay. Jackson's done it mostly. Jackson and Doc, pretty much, I, I think, have done it. But uh, they have brought in um, some other people. There's a guy named John Schnepp, who's based in L.A., who's become a, a friend of theirs and mm-hmm. is a friend of mine. And he has come in specifically to direct so I think that he directed for the first time, like, last year. Okay. And uh, and I think that was kind of a new thing for them, mm-hmm. because they were just getting so busy with everything. It's so mu- It's very much like a two-man operation. Jackson and Doc do everything. They write it. You know, they uh, they oversee every aspect All the animation of it. And they and do a ton of voices on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, Jackson is Hank Venture. Right. The monarch. And Doc is... <laughs> Dr. Girlfriend and lots of other people. So I think to give themselves a little more room, they brought in this friend of theirs who they trusted. And uh, and so he helped them out with like the direction post right. mm-hmm. um, recording sessions, you know, the construction of the show itself. Right. How it's cut together, you know, all that stuff, how you animate choices about animating them action and it's very complicated. Yeah, there's not a lot of animation that I follow, um, but it it's probably like I like the idea I, I wish I watched. I wish I watched more television. Let me just me admit too. that. Uh, I just I don't have enough hours in the day. Me too. I never um, watch anything. You don't watch anything. I barely watch anything, and then like uh, now and then I'll get a job, a guest shot on a show, and I have to scramble to YouTube to find a clip. So I have right. some idea of the <laughs> reality of the NCIS. Program. What's that got, about? Yeah, we just got a new TV. Well, we <laughs> for years we had an old, my wife's boxy old TV from the nineties, which right. served us fine, and then. This past Christmas, her parents said, okay, guys, we're going to give you a check. You're going to buy a widescreen, flat, flat, know, flat screen TV. Samsung, something you know, decent. Get with the times. Right. And we're like, yeah, I'm an actor. I guess I should have a nice. <laughs> <laughs> you can write that off, James. You can write that yeah, off. Yeah, I can write it. Believe me, you try to do it. You write anything off that's showbiz related. Right. Which includes walking down the street. I'm observing things. I, the money I, I spent on sneakers are written off because that's what I do. I do it all the time. So now we have like a bigger television that's more... Uh, that's fancy. That's it's just a little, yeah. And then now we're suddenly we're looking at our old one, which is you know, a uh, I don't even know what the dimensions are, but not the standard. But seventeen you inches probably both ways. These days, and yeah. you, the average TV is a nice sized flat screen, mm-hmm. right? It just this is like uh, with the the, uh, the cinematic you know uh, dimensions because everything this is shot TV, that way. Now. Uh, behind me, uh, Andy asked me if I wanted a. Uh, you know, what kind of engagement ring I wanted. And I said I would prefer a 42-inch flat-screen television because go. I will never break it or lose it. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so it has come to pass, huh? 
So now I'm inspired. But then suddenly we have a uh, a nice uh, uh, flat screen, and we're sitting there just like flipping channels, going "Durr." It's like it's 1952. <laughs> It's like it doesn't even right. matter what it is. It's like, wow, look at that. It's so crisp and clear. <laughs> this is so different than the TV we had color. from 1994. Right. Right. It's, it's in color now. Yeah. You could watch anything. Anything <laughs> yeah. could be watched on so that TV. That's uh, So now I'm inspired to start watching. Uh, like a friend of mine lent me like Mad Men first season, and I'm not proud of this, but I've never seen Mad Men. Oh, I, and all I, these shows oh. that are incredibly well regarded. Right. Apparently, we're living in a golden age of television. We are definitely. And I've never seen in any of these shows. Uh, Mad Men the is Sopranos too scary. Yeah, the uh, Mad Men too scary. Too scary. I, you know, my favorite part of Mad Men is the advertising. I love the ad campaigns. The racism and the sexism actually makes me uncomfortable. Hmm. Is that what's scary? That's what's scary for the, me. I don't enjoy the sexism and the racism. I get very tense, and I have. I'm sitting on season three of Breaking right. Bad. So, but that's the uh, and you're and you're fine there. with that. No, Breaking Bad is also horribly tense as I well. But say. I have forced myself because Breaking Bad is amazing as well. But I like that's I watched I the hear. first two seasons of Mad Men. But then I was just like, you know what? This actually gives me a headache. You so, take it. but I do love, I love the ads when they're advertising for cigarettes. That's hilarious. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that I wouldn't watch that because I'm, I'm obsessed with advertising. I'm fascinated by advertising. Really? And uh, I hear that's a great show, but. Why are you fascinated with advertising? Just the, the manipulation of the mindset or? Yeah. 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 The way they, that, that. Then whole... you will love Mad Men. Oh, no, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. Part of it is like we have little five year old twins. And so when, when you have kids, by the time they get to bed, you're just like plop, and we just tend to look at the internet and and not really yeah. sit down and, w- and watch a show. Uh, you do what you can. Yeah. Do, you, do the kids watch TV? They watch TV. They they like a lot of children's shows. Some Dora, they, Dora the Explorer. Is that happening? They've enjoyed Dora, Phineas and Ferb. Yes, Phineas and Ferb, uh, which is a really good show. <laughs> is it? And, uh, I, I find I myself on the road. Phineas and Ferb Phineas is actually. Ferb. It's. I'm not saying it's imitating it at all. But it's kind of like uh, Kitty Venture Brothers. Oh, oh really? The, the reality of that show is yeah, parallels uh, the sort of reality of the Venture well, Brothers. Well, I'm going to have to look into Symphonious and Ferb because <laughs> well, I really do well enjoy. Done. I've only seen a couple of them, but they're really good. I, I'm not. I, I'm not saying you should enjoy it as an adult. I'm just saying when I'm on the road, I, for some reason, I find I've enjoyed myself it as an adult. Well, this is the watching. fine line in children's programming, which is like the great any great children's TV show or film. Has it a better level have adult that content? It will appeal to adults, yes, uh, through its wit or whatever, and but will simultaneously appeal to children. But sometimes that's a very tricky balance. And there are some shows that I've seen where it really seems like they're for children ostensibly, mm-hmm. but you can tell that the creators just want to be doing an adult swim show mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not really landing for me as a children's show, it's right? Just a sort of Thing. But then family guys. I'm no. not going to mention. Well, that's not uh, that children. is not for children. But at I'm all, not going to ever. Mention. But uh, um, there's. Uh, but then there are ones that do it really well. And lately, they've gotten into the '90s cartoon Dexter's Laboratory, which they show. Oh, which is an excellent. Uh, that was the last that really uh, good. And that was the last cartoon I think I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, it was Dexter's it's very Laboratory, funny. and oh, it cracks my that, kids up. They Animaniacs. They oh, might well, want yeah. to look Animaniacs. Oh, well, Animaniacs. I watched uh, regularly. Yeah, me too. Back in the day, that yeah. was what 93, 94. When I was a young, yes, yeah, single person without children and could watch television. There was yeah. no reason not to. <laughs> oh, it's great. I, I understand SpongeBob does a great job too, but I don't watch SpongeBob. Yeah, they just started to kind of get into SpongeBob. Um, it's not as adult themed, centered as you, as like Animaniacs. Or, it's more or, silly. Yeah, it's definitely more. Yeah. Like there's I, I, no highbrow in in in. Not really. Not from what I was. I, I went in a meeting on it when it was in, to write for to it. To write they for were it. Telling me yeah, yeah. not to. Don't no, don't to. make don't go Ren and Stimpy on it. Don't go. So I think it. I think it. And then I didn't watch very much of it because I didn't get the job. So, <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> but I think it was. Very, I think it's more child centered. I, I could uh, be wrong as a parent sitting next to me. That which one is more child? SpongeBob. I never watch it. Okay. Did did so, they try? It? I know. Have like, they tried it or a bunch of people who work on it. They they've sort of seen they've just Let's started to the become Democrat. aware of that recently because uh, it was sort of a little out of their demo like they were still a little young for mm-hmm. it it's just slightly older kids I think for mm-hmm. the audience for that do they listen but, to music what are their de- what's their de- let's let let's uh, let's try to get uh, they listen to what we play in the car and okay. put on so we play like 
Yanni? Well, like any, we have, we did have a Yanni record. You mm-hmm. had a Yanni record? We did have one CD by him, at least one. And, uh, it's fine. Sure. Uh, there's a They Might Be Giants. Of course, they've done some. Oh, right. They have a lot of good oh, children's yeah. stuff. There's yes. a whole cottage industry of like, kind of hipster flipster mm-hmm. alternative musicians who who also make children's records. I went oh, to see really? uh, They Might yeah. Be Giants play their children's records at uh, Amoeba. Did you well, wear a short sleeve t shirt with a long sleeve t shirt under it, Marie Valerian? <laughs> with retro glasses. I'm really, really hoping you didn't. <laughs> Whatever. They, they, so there's a, there's a couple of. They might be Giants albums and also DVDs that have great animation uh, where they do songs about science and mm-hmm. uh, songs about uh, the alphabet and stuff. And my kids really adore those and I have saw begun to learn tour. those songs and will sing those songs. Oh, okay. That, yeah, yeah. That's They're great. Uh, They're really I, I tend to get those deep, uh, CDs for my uh, friends who have yeah. kids. Okay. And they're very witty songs and... They but were they're witty. also sort of educational, and mm-hmm. they're they're it's the whole package. They yeah. they work. Very they're catchy. Well. I've always enjoyed they're their super music. Catchy. Oh yeah, science yeah. is real. <laughs> is science is real? Science is real. I like it. Which yes has a little. That, there's actually, a message. There's. I, I don't mind that message at all. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pro that message. Yeah. South Dakota. Hi. No, yeah. it's anyway. definitely a response to the whole sort of. Uh, science is. It's real. a very subtle uh, response to like. Creationism and right, it's, it's uh, sort of in there, which is great. Murray Murray's a big music dork. We've had him on a couple of times to talk about his love of U two, yes, and how he has followed U two around me the world. as well. He loves U two. <laughs> uh, oh, I see. And, uh, Adorable. He, <laughs> I remember when I first heard about U two in the early eighties. Uh, I graduated high school in nineteen eighty one, and uh, I remember Jill Blatz, a friend of mine from New Jersey. Sounds like a fake name, but it's true. I'm from New Jersey. It sounds absolutely normal. Joe Blatz. <laughs> and Joe Blatz had just bought Boy, mm-hmm. which was basically like the breakthrough. Is that the was first? first yeah, that, was their bre- that was their breakthrough. They had albums first breakthrough before that? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was talking about this band, and it was probably circa like 82. Which mm-hmm. is, and I, for some reason, I remember being at this party when this guy first told me about U2. Right. And this album and how great. And did you were. listen to it then and like I it? I think I, I listened to them not long after that and did did like them. Yes. I came in a little late on the band because my dad was a preacher and I wasn't allowed to listen to music as oh, a kid. Your dad was John Lithgow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. As I nice. tear up right here. Footloose. Um, yeah. So we used to go to the barn and dance. And uh, oh, <laughs> county line. As a county, you know, what? I never saw Footloose. Oh, I've that is an attainable it. goal, my friend. I am waiting for but the it's remake. Cultural literacy, you got the reference. Oh yeah, oh, for, oh yeah. yeah There's so dipped. many movies I've never <laughs> seen that I could have an hour of conversation on why or I did or exactly. did not like them. Having oh, never I was seen it, <laughs> I was in a bar recently and they were showing Rocky, the original Rocky, and I'm sitting there watching him jump, you know, go up the steps and mm-hmm. fillet and <laughs> right. box the meat, and sure. I suddenly realized, wait a minute. I know all these scenes, and I just realized I've never seen this film. <laughs> like, oh, here's a scene where he, I've heard about for my Spoiler whole life. alert. Right, Rocky's right. boxing the meat. First he's... movie, he doesn't win. Yeah. Spoiler alert. He does I, not I, uh, I, uh, win at the end of that movie. Did you end up seeing it? I just... To the end, or...? Uh, no, I didn't. It was a fan- it's fantastic that, that he doesn't win at the end of that movie. Happens, that's yes. the best part of that. Same thing happened to me not too long ago with Top Gun. Ah, yes. To where I'd seen I've such never snippets, seen snippets, snippets of it, yes. and, <laughs> and, and, and talked about it and heard about it. That, <laughs> and I realized I sat down to watch it. It was on late night. I couldn't Stay sleep. Stay golden, pony boy. I didn't see yeah. Top Gun until just like a month ago. the late 90s. Mm-hmm. I television. still haven't seen it. I'm good. I'm okay not seeing that movie. And my wife had, had mentioned that her college boyfriend uh, was obsessed with Top Gun. And you were uh, like, I gotta see this. Watched it all the time. And then I think it was just on, and I watched it. And it's, it's certainly of its time. Like well, it, it, it's not. Did you guys ever see Loverboy with uh, Andrew McCarthy and uh, Demi Moore? Pizza delivery guy? Pizza delivery yeah, guy. It's yeah. essentially porn, but made into a rom-com. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. 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 I didn't see The Godfather, but I saw that. What? I didn't see The Godfather, but I saw that. I've never seen The Godfather 2 or 3. It's You've very, never seen 2. I know it. Do you know why? Because at the end of Godfather 1... I'm like, oh, this isn't going to go well. Because when, when they got that long shot and she, he closes the door on her, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that relationship cannot possibly ever work out. Interesting. Someone else recently said this, that they've never seen any of the Godfather movies. I saw which, the first one because and, people and, can't take it that I've never seen the Godfather. I, and I'm not even going to, because I know 65 million people have said to you, 
you should see the you're Godfather. Saying, Godfather Two, two is, is even one, better. And yes, blah blah. So and I, and I, I, and I, I, there are movies. It's I tried, true. Right. What those sixty-five other million <laughs> people said that are right. They are correct. <laughs> and my and both of my brothers love those movies so much they're constantly quoting them to me. Of course. So I can't not not know about the movie. But you've got your nice TV here. Right. Well, Sit down. You know the hundred. I used to. Uh, I had a mission once. I was going to watch the top hundred AFI movies. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. I and did the same thing with the uh, I, Oscar movies. I was like, I'm going to do it if, even if I watch it on Fast Forward. And uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Watched like nine of them today. It was great. Uh, the What's the one... Uh, <laughs> son of a bitch, I can't remember the name of it. It's the one with Rosebud. It's got a main line. Ro- Rosebud? <laughs> what's that? No, that's Citizen called Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. Thanks for playing. Citizen Kane. <laughs> Little movie. Yeah. Okay, so I put Citizen Kane in and I'm like, all right, I will fast forward this. I will freaking do that. And so I got my bu- hand on the face. Wow, Did that's... not fast forward. Did not. Oh, you know right. what? Oh, it's an excellent film. Yeah. It's a tribute to Citizen Kane. And the next one, Taxi Driver. Did not fast forward through Taxi Driver. Never, never saw Citizen Kane. Love Taxi Driver, though. Uh, Citizen Kane actually uh, kind of compelling. Really? You've never seen Citizen Kane? I've never Kane. seen Citizen Kane. It's, I, in Chinatown, I would I like saw. to. I'm not, like, adamantly not going to see no, it. Right. But I would like to. I have a hard to. time with drama. I've got a bunch of classics I've never seen. Right. And here's my thing. Shane. I've never seen Shane, Shane. classic Western. Shane is great. Mm-hmm. Shane's a good one. Do you know what I tried to watch a film last game. night? I tried to do uh, Charles Lawton. Yeah, because we see talked some... beforehand that I would, I, one of my door cave sessions is actors, especially actors from old times. And Charles Lawton uh, was one of my favorite actors. The only thing I've got is the uh, uh, Bunny Buccaneer. Uh, yeah, where Bugs Bunny imitates him. Right, and, and then as the soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, I have seen that guy and stuff. I don't yeah. know what that is, because you just see his big fat lips. <laughs> <laughs> it's mutiny. <laughs> I, I didn't know who Charles Lawton was, but I am... He totally did Night up of the on Hunter? My, did Night of the Hunter, sure. He directed Night of the Hunter. Was the and only, that was the only one. He's not in it. It's the only film he directed. He was very famous as an actor. And then in the 50s, uh, he directed Night of the Hunter, which is an extraordinary movie. Oh, yeah. Robert and Mitchum? I did not do with Robert Mitchum. I mean, it's a famous one where he's got the tattoos on each on his knuckles that say love and hate. And he's this con I, man. Oh, who, I have who, never... He's the one who did that love and hate yes, business? And That's where that came from? The character is a right. con man who pretends to be a uh, preacher. Uh-huh. So he's a fake preacher who's trying to rip off this family. Right. And comes into their life. and it's, it's a, But it, it's just a visionary uh, piece of directing. It's really quite astonishing. And Lawton is just like... Uh, he was born in 1899... So he came of age. I mean, I know. <laughs> well, I tell you something. James Urbaniak knows about Charles Lawton. I'm just giving you a sense of, of time. history. So he's yeah, well yeah. known in the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. In the 30s, he became famous when he was in his 30s for uh, these movies. Uh, first, he became very famous in England because he's English, he's British, right? On account of his English, yeah. On account of they love. And so uh, he did some of the famous. <laughs> he did like a very you. famous uh, biopic about Henry VIII called "The Private Life of Henry VIII." Mm-hmm. Okay, which is from 1933. Where he's great. But many years ago, when I was like 19 years old, I was flipping channels, and there was an old movie from the 30s on called Ruggles of Red Gap, which is a comedy uh, about a, uh, a nouveau riche Texan from the turn of the century who's visiting London because his wife wants to visit Europe, and he's bored. He gets into a poker game with an English uh, aristocrat, they run out of money, so the English aristocrat bets his manservant in a game. Right. The English aristocrat, this is just the setup. This is like right. the first 10 minutes of the movie. The aristocrat <laughs> uh, has a butler played by Charles Lawton, and he's like, well, I'm sorry, old boy, but I just lost you in a poker game, so you're going to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's a typical fish-out-of-water story uh-huh. right. where an, a gentleman's gentleman is now working for these nouveau riche yahoos in Texas, you know. Right. The guy, you know, the the, the That's uh, moments the of family fun. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Who and Tony Curtis isn't in this. No, uh, yeah, no. It, and the movie's made for 1933. It takes okay. place in like 1900 because right. it's supposed to be like the oh, right, know, right, the oil, kind of the late days, the of the West. Yeah. Okay, uh, but anyway, uh, it's a really funny movie. Which side note, there was a popular comic actor of the 30s named Charlie Ruggles. Charlie Ruggles is in Ruggles of Red Gap, but does not play the title role. Mm. Wisty plays scandal, Ruggles scandal. because Ruggles is the name of the butler. Um, Charlie, who does Charlie Ruggles? Charlie Ruggles plays the the nouveau riche. Oh, the Texan guy, the Texan. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So it's like not that he deserves. It's like to play he made Ruggles. a comedy called Devito of Detroit. <laughs> 
and Danny DeVito was in it, but he wasn't playing DeVito. The yeah. named DeVito. That's, <laughs> that, that's feels, really weird. It's unjust. It's yeah. unjust. It's like, well, isn't that, wasn't that confusing to the 1930s public? But, well, there's Charles <laughs> Ruggles. Love him. He's a pip. Right. Wait, why is he not playing Ruggles? Because they talk like that in the 30s, you it's know. It's always, well, <laughs> it's always weird when, that's like, queer. What, it is queer. They said. Yeah. <laughs> I like it because it's, there's no, it's weird what you end up watching and then that gets you into old movies because yeah. you can never. Oh, well, and this is my entry. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, I kind of watched some old movies back then, but not a lot. And, but that was my entry into Lawton. Here's the thing. I saw that movie. I didn't, I, I didn't know who Lawton was. I probably heard of him, but I didn't right. really know who he was. And there's a scene in that where a Ruggles, Lawton. Mm-hmm. Yes. And. Charles Ruggles playing the other guy. Fine, hold forget. on, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused. You are not, not confused. Uh, uh, his new, his new uh, master, or yes. whatever you call him, you know. He's going to have to be master if somebody general, bought somebody. Yeah. His new uh, guy he works for uh, decides to get him drunk because he's a good old boy. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. come sure. on, you got to loosen up, man. You got to loosen you know, up. He's like, got a lot of jokes like that, like loosen up. And he's like, ah, gentleman, gentleman doesn't, you know, loosen uh, up, do his tie or whatever. Mm. And uh, so he gets him drunk, and then Lawton proceeds to get, you know, act drunk in the scene. And the acting of his drunkenness was so lifelike. And at one point he falls on the floor and laughs, and it was suddenly like this old comedy suddenly became like a documentary film of this guy getting drunk. And it was something so startling. <laughs> right. That's a very hard thing to act, fam- famously, is getting drunk. Right. And there was something so real, and all the funnier for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Something like so startlingly real... For this kind of broad comedy, yeah, yeah, that suddenly this guy was playing this sort of—it was just—it was subtle, but it was like just this depth of drunkenness and also of release. Like suddenly this guy, this very buttoned-up butler dude, right, was suddenly like hammered, hammered, and really sort of like frightened but exhilarated by mm-hmm. his feeling. And huh. the way he played that little moment, I was like, "Who the hell is this guy? Yeah, who's this guy?" And I immediately like looked him up. Sort of like your inner actor was, yeah. was like... And this is before I was a professional actor, so right, it right. was just like... And so then I became really interested in trying to find other Lawton movies and started watching them. And then um, there's a great book uh, by the actor Simon Callow, who's also a great writer. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a great biography of Lawton, like in the 80s, called Charles Lawton, a Difficult Actor. And that book has become one of my favorite... Well, it's one of my favorite books of all time. But it's also one of my favorite books about acting, because the author is an actor. What's it called? It's called Charles Lawton, subtitle, A yes. Difficult Actor. A Difficult Actor. And it's just, it's, it's all about, you know, Callow was a young actor in the 80s who uh, was right. also, loved Lawton, but Lawton died in 1962. Right. So he, you know, obviously never met him or anything. It's just, it's just an appreciation, but also an attempt to understand what Lawton was up to. And the thing that's really interesting about Lawton is thing i just described oh and he, oh, by the way i'll just say this <laughs> now that i'm a lawton completist yes <laughs> lawton in ruggles yes. is not my favorite performance by a long okay show. all right like, it, but like, an excellent introduction perhaps but, an, to but an amazing introduction but the thing that he did especially like in the 30s is he's got this really interesting combination of theatricality, you know, he became a star of the West End, you know, the right. London version of Broadway in like the 20s, you know, that's when he first became famous. Right, he was in a, something in 1923 called Alibi, and he was Yeah, he, was he did lauded. like pot boilers and right. you know, things like that. And then, yeah, as they say on these shows, you've done your research. I did a little bit of, <laughs> I looked into it, I was like, who the hell is Charles Lawton? <laughs> and uh, the thing, so you see this kind of theatrical background in his acting, he enjoys the broad stroke and he's got this—he's got this kind of throaty voice, right? But he's got this kind of wonderful, you know. And um, but he's also got this very modern, very internal, very underplayed naturalism going on, right? Uh, a kind of emotional transparency that we associate more with. Later decades, like the fifties, mm-hmm. and like oh, Strasberg and oh, the Method, and all right, this. right, all that natural acting, all that kind, kind of, of thing, you know, uh, that we don't we think of the thirties as kind of hello there, you know, yes. that there was a kind of different. <laughs> I love George Cukor. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love all those. <laughs> no, no, I know. And there's great acting from many people and from that period, but there's especially the kind of stuff that Lawton was doing, 
like these kind of just ahead of its time kind of movies and mm-hmm. kind of you know classic kind of stories. What's your favorite movie of his? Ah, uh, wow, there are so many. Um, I think my favorite performance is an interesting one because he has more of a supporting role in it, but it's the performance that I find the most fascinating. Yeah, and it's a movie called The Barretts of Wimpole Street, and it's a 1930s biopic about Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Mm-hmm. And um, wow! And uh, it's uh, does he, he play? He plays Elizabeth Barrett her Browning. Father. <laughs> and he's playing the uh, the classic um, Victorian. It's based on a play, and it's very the play. The it's very dated, right. and it's not a great movie. And his part is the classic Victorian father who's like, you will not marry that boy. Uh. But he plays it with such malevolence and perversion. And there's even this little suggestion of his, his, his need to own his daughter. There's in the performance. There's the implication of like some sort of incestuous, mm-hmm. yeah, creep factor. Of, yeah, yeah. That. But he plays it very subtly. But it's just the great. His greatest performance have this incredible pressure in them. There's there's this uh, there's there's something going on there. You can see his greatest characters are these sort of closed up guys with something really weird trying to get out. Right. And he plays that dynamic really well. And the performance in Barrett is scary. It's like, it's fucking scary. And it's also really funny, like in a really dark way. It just right. has these really great colors to it. That is a character that is kind of a stock character. That he just brings such a point of view yeah. uh, to it that it just jumps off the screen. And it really is probably like my favorite one. Although he's not the star of the movie. <laughs> right. And then, But yeah, that's one that I always I go back to a lot and watch you, again. Did you see... um? The Devil Wears Prada to bring it to something that I, isn't. I did see that I don't one. Think I did see that. <laughs> well, because Meryl Streep in that movie is in an entirely different film than everyone else. Yeah, I've heard she's amazing in that. She's amazing in that movie, but everyone else is in this sort of not crummy. But I mean, who who cares about Anne Hathaway? Well, that's the law. And, 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 and her pizza delivery. Well, you're so friend. gifted, and you're in something that maybe is kind of formulaic, mm-hmm. right? I and, haven't seen that. I don't know past judgment, but uh, the young woman in the fashion industry, fa- well, fa- very much, out, sounds like <laughs> you've seen it. Really, yeah, um, yeah. yeah <laughs> now you know we've got someone ends. creating a really fully formed. It's an entirely different character. film when you That's watch Meryl yeah. Streep in that movie because you're like she's in a <laughs> drama where she is also very very funny. Yeah, and uh, everybody else is in the lightest comedy you've ever right. seen in your life. My favorite performance in that movie, who yeah. has become one of my favorite actors, Stanley Tucci. Oh, Stanley oh, Tucci. The Tucci. He's yeah, fantastic. love him. He is everything I see him in. He's yeah. great. He never Julian talk Julia. About, talk about being yeah. a stinker. Was amazing. A, a, you know, being in a bunch of stinkers, but still being really good. Well, that's yeah, that's great. my favorite thing about actors. And I will ask, I will ask you this, James, just because um, it's it's in stand up comedy. Murray and I do stand up comedy, and we can find a set. We can find a place to do stand up comedy. I want to be an actor. I can never find a place to act. Guess what? Actors are like, you could find a, can you find a place to act? Like if you wanted, like if you didn't have, like if you were going to play Dick Cavett in that new Tim Robbins movie that's coming out next year, um, could you find another place? To, Cause you are in Thrilling Adventure Hour. Those guys were, did the show. Yeah. And, but if you, if that's what you do, you find a place to act, right? Is that right? With acting? Uh, is it like stand up where you can, you, well, or is it harder? There's an element of that. I mean, when I started out, I started acting in New York in like the late 80s because I had started a theater company. You started uh, your own? Yeah, I started my own theater company with this director. Okay. Named Karen Coonrod, and we were, we had met in the mid 80s and we became good friends. And she wanted to, uh, long story short, she wanted to form a theater company. And I was just a kind of aimless slacker who like, was, like, out of school and working a day job. I was, like, a classic, you know, right. I hadn't really found my career. I just had a job in an office. Right. And I was doing a lot of, like, amateur theater in New Jersey and kind of just thinking, maybe I want to be doing this professionally. Right. I met this woman who wanted to do this specific thing. It was like, oh, I want to form a theater company. And, and do works? And do plays, and yeah. Do, plays. do, like, classic plays. And we did some kind of new stuff. But 
we moved to into New York and started doing stuff. And uh, that was my world for several years, was the so-called off-of-Broadway world in New York, which was lots of little companies like this, some of whom still exist. Ours ran for about 10 years. My oldest friends are people I met from this period, from like late 80s, early 90s in the New York downtown theater world. That was very much about that we were literally creating it for ourselves. We were right. like, let's make this thing. You're, you're, putting, you're getting the money however you can. You're running for grants. You're trying to get people. You know, we had some people who gave us some money to help with the make company. sets and... Yeah. Did oh, you have like a, a dedicated theater, a black box theater? We that had, you... yeah. We worked mostly out of a great theater, which sadly went out of business uh, last summer, called the Ohio Theater. It was on Wooster Street in Soho. And a great guy ran that theater, a guy named Robert Lyons, and he would uh, barter with us. He'd be like, He'd be like, well, I tell you what, I'll cut some uh, money off the rental of the theater if you help me paint it. Okay. And nice. we were like, yes, we will. And so we would do that, you know. Yeah. Like, he's like, I got a bunch of shit upstairs I need moved. Mm. You guys want to come inside right. and move this shit? Like mm. his lighting instruments. And we're like, yes. Jackie did that to me today. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And the yeah. You can be on the door for us. You're going to help me move this to the back. So we would do that. And that was very much about working with people you knew and just wanting to create something. And then time goes by and I ended up making a living at this, and I moved to Los Angeles, where it's all mostly film and TV-based. Right. But the thing that is that is very much a thing now is there's no reason not to create stuff and throw it on oh, the internet, the internet mm-hmm. yep. and make stuff. So, you know. So, the, I mean, there is, there's places to act. There's places to act, but you don't. Like, I know actors who don't to, make a living yeah, doing that's acting. Yeah, that's the big thing. And they find places to act. It's kind of fascinating to me. Part of the way you get jobs is by meeting people and getting to know them. And, and, and doing student films or doing local theatery things or whatever. Yeah. Is it like a lot of... I feel like it's hanging out. Because that's what There's stand-up is. There's a big is. element of, uh, to that, yes. There's a big element of the hanging out and... <laughs> I don't know if that's what acting is, but that's <laughs> well, what stand-up is. Started for, I mean, there, there, the thing is there were so many different ways in. So I did this thing where I worked with these little companies downtown. Right. And one thing led to another, and uh, there's an independent film director in New York named Al Hartley. He's pretty well known as, like, you know, in in that uh, world. And he used to come see a lot of plays downtown, and I was doing a play with the theater company. Uh, I, I did some stuff with this theater company downtown called Kukaracha Theater. We all had wacky names back then. <laughs> and uh, Hal used to come to their shows, and there was a whole social scene. Right. He would do the show. It'd be in this loft or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then you would hang out and drink cheap beer afterwards. Right. You know, there would be sell. adult beverages and so, some pretzels. Yeah. And, so there was, and so there was a whole socializing aspect, and Hal just used to hang out, and he saw me perform there, and then he ended up putting me in a movie called Henry Fool, which suddenly I was starring in a movie, albeit mm-hmm. a low-budget kind Independent, of cult film. But yeah. it came out, it played in theaters, it got a lot yeah. of attention. And suddenly I went from... Being this off-off-Broadway obscure figure, you know, uh, to a slightly less obscure figure who was sure. starring in a movie <laughs> that played across, you know, across the country and got reviewed in Time Magazine and stuff. Right. So it was like suddenly that was a real thing. What and that was under- how I got a leg up in terms of getting an agent and right, all then that getting stuff. auditions for, for stuff others that was going to pay me money. Yeah. And that's how that all happened. I was going to ask, what, what else has Hal Hartley done? Because I know that name. He's done a whole bunch of films since, like, the... I'll put it in the notes. ...early 90s. Mm-hmm. I'll Google that dude. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, all right. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can tell you the titles, but There's a great movie called The Unbelievable Truth and Trust. His leading lady in the early days was an actress named Adrienne Shelley, who mm-hmm. went out to become a director. She made a movie called Waitress. Oh, okay. yeah. And then she was tragically murdered yeah, in New what? York uh, yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. Really? Big story. Yeah. Never heard about who that. Who gets murdered? Well, uh, it was a horrible. People yeah. occasionally get murdered. I yeah, guess. and then the waitress uh, starred uh, Carrie Russell. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. And she was, uh, and she had, she was really uh, getting a lot of attention as a writer director. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd made a couple of films before that, and that was a really big breakthrough. And then with just bizarrely tragic timing, yeah. right, right before that came out, she was killed in this bizarre incident. Yeah, that that is that is crazy. But the you know the social situation, it's so hard 
Murray, you were telling me that, because uh, you went, your wife, Mary, mm-hmm. uh, is nominated for an Oscar, mm-hmm. and uh, and you just spent 72 hours with a glass in your hand. <laughs> 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 he flew to London for the British Oscars? Baptists, yeah. Whatever, yeah. yeah. And he just got back yesterday. Wow. And what, uh, how did, how did, you say it was sponsored by Grey Goose. <laughs> was, but what I want to know is yeah. how do you talk, would, I mean, were you drunk enough to talk to everybody? Or oh, are, yeah. You have good social skills without being drunk, though. Yeah, and actually, uh, uh we went to, uh. Which I think is fascinating. <laughs> well, well, it's funny you say that because we went to an, another part. I had a, I was out on the road. I was telling you this earlier. I was out on the road. My car broke down. It turned into a disaster. I had to fly home. My car is still in Vegas. And yeah, and I proceeded to sit on the plane and wait wait for my plane and maybe possibly get drunk. And I got drunk and then I flew you know flew home and Mary picked me up. She's like, "We have to go to dinner." I'm like, "Honey, I'm drunk. I can't go to dinner." She's like, "You'll be fine." So that night we get home. Will you? (laughs) That night we get home. I'm like, "Honey, I hope I didn't make an ass out of myself." She's like, "No." As a matter of fact, you're a good drunk. As a matter of fact, you're a nicer person as a drunk than you are sober. (laughs) Wow. I worked with a kid. uh, and, uh, who featured for me a couple of weeks ago who said that said, I'm nicer when I'm drunk. He sold that t-shirt. Guess what? Dozens. He oh, sold I dozens imagine. of that t-shirt now, who's at a wife? comedy club. Uh, my wife is Mary Zofri. She's a, uh, costume designer. Oh, wow. And she was nominated this year, uh, at the Baptist. And so we went and it was. For what, uh, film? Uh, True Grit. Hello. Hello. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Most excellent. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to get more coffee. Okay. Uh, do you guys want anything? <laughs> we got we got about another ten minutes. But, I got some uh, water. It's fascinating. I'll have a coffee. You want a little coffee. Are we still recording? Yeah. It's that kind of show. I love it. Is it warm coffee or cold coffee? Warm coffee. Okay. I'm fine. No, I'm fine. I had some before we That's started. Right. So here. then, how long was that trip? You flew. Oh, over, flew in on Friday. Came back. came back on Monday. Hello. And it was nonstop and. Uh, uh, it was sponsored by Grey Goose, and there was a lot of drink, but not like getting drunk. It was all, it's, and it's Britain too, so there's drinking right. everywhere you go. And I was, now did she uh, did she make the bear, or is that considered she a prop? Ma- no? She made the bear. Right. <laughs> she made the bear. <laughs> well, there's your award, right? There. Yeah, exactly. Which is uh, <laughs> it's uh, really it's been a crazy crazy month for us. So, but the highlight of it, and uh, for me, was I got to meet and talk to with Paul McCartney. Hello. I don't Holy know if you, cow. he's from a band called the Beatles. I don't know if you've heard. Oh, yes. I don't know if the I, theater I world. I recently remarked that there was a popular joke in the 70s amongst 30-somethings where they would say, oh, I just spoke to a teenager and they were amazed to hear that Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings. <laughs> and now you can't make that joke anymore. Right. No, because no one even knows what Wings because is. Because today, yeah, they wouldn't. But you can make the is. joke that uh, Beyonce was in a band that's right. Before. Wait, was Beyonce in a band? Well, she was in a girl group. Which one? Uh, Destiny's, Destiny's Child. Child. You know what? And, Music and is my life. Much, Have I mentioned that? Pretty much pulled a... Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. Pretty much fucked everybody over in that band. Oh, and, really? I like, just kind of chilly-armed chilly the, the other girls and said, I'm, I'm going off on my own. Well, let me tell you something. It's a cold business it music. It turns out she was Destiny's Child. <laughs> she <laughs> exactly. was the child of their they Destiny. They didn't realize that she was the one they were... But so Diana I, Ross did the same thing. Oh, in, in the, the sixty, in the Supreme, the Supreme, so yeah, pretty much mm. chilly armed those guys and took off. Indeed, it's a very I like the term chilly armed. Is that uh, what is that for? Is that a rollerblading kind of thing? Well, no, I believe it could have been a one off. Derby. <laughs> it could have been a one off comment from my brother, or and, or it could be a football. Chilly a as guy. in cold, as in as to I, ball of taste. I think to stiff arm. To somebody? St- it's like a stiff arm. Yeah, I haven't heard that one either. And That's I and I'm not a I'm not a jock, but my that. brother was in referring to football. He's like, oh, he chilly armed him, and it just kind of stuck with me. You say you're not a jock, but uh, you're a surfer. Mm-hmm. That's a sport. You could you could die at any minute, can't you? Uh, you could die at any minute, but it's, you get bonked on the head with that board. It's yeah. attached to your foot. Yeah, uh, it gets caught in some seaweed. You're yeah. drowned. There's oh, yeah. a, there's an a, there's uh, it's dangerous. A part of the surf uh, world where there is just a certain energy in certain surfers that you don't think of as jock energy. Yes. Oh, I right, know. It's there, more of a mellow... Uh, yeah, I don't actually even consider it a sport, <laughs> to be honest really? with you. Yeah, I don't follow the tour. You I don't. Or... Oh, okay. I don't, I just, I just, yeah, I don't really consider it Andy a sport. Andy asked me, uh, uh, we were in the car a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, uh, so would you dress up in a costume? And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> what, wait, what? And he goes, I said, because I had said that I would do any, I don't, 
know if I wasn't listening, but he said, would you, so would you dress up? And he meant sexually. And I meant, as what? And he actually said, a shark. <laughs> and I cut him some slack because it was the moment. It was very much a moment kind of thing where he had to come up with something because I said that I would do whatever he wanted. Mm. And, uh, but sharks, you can't back that ass up because sharks can't go backwards. Ah, long way to go. Love for it. Sharks can't go back. Good one. No, so no, that be... was quite a journey on that one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was quite a journey, and you had to know about sharks. <laughs> right. I thought. You know why I thought I'd farm that into the conversation right there? Is because you might know about sharks, Murray. <laughs> that was my. That was my hope. My well, dream. There's that great, uh, great joke at the end of. I think it's Annie Hall. It might not even. Yeah, I think. No, it's, it's not a at the end. Reference to Annie Hall, sort of in the middle. It's in the middle. It's that. Uh, sure. Is it uh, Woody? It's Woody. He's talking about uh, breaking up with a girl, and uh, he said uh, relationships are, are like a shark. You have to keep moving forward, and I think what we have here is a dead shark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Catchy stuff. Probably paraphrased. I don't know. You got anything? If, uh, no, that, was, that was it. Okay. I think that's got to be it, uh, right? Uh, yeah. The film is from uh, 1975, which is the year Jaws came out. So mm-hmm. Same year? He was just trying to cash in on the shark craze that was sweeping the country. And I have a shark joke in here. I'll bring in right. more. Yeah. A little more. Put, put some more asses in the seats. Because <laughs> yeah. you know he's always very concerned about the commercial aspects of this film. Yeah. Did you ever see Wild Man Blues? What is that? It's his kind of doc- that documentary that follows his Dixieland jazz band. Yeah. Woody Allen has a Dixie band. Oh, yeah. He's a great clarinet player. Oh, I did not know oh, that. Oh, yeah. Woody Allen is, yeah, he, he's, he, I think for decades, he's he's famous for playing Monday, Monday nights. nights. Yeah. At some he, jazz he thing? He played in a place in New York called Michael's Pub. Mm-hmm. I vaguely, yeah, yeah. vaguely have and heard he that. And he had a little uh, amateur, well, I don't know if the other guys were amateurs. I just call him that because it's not his main Right, profession. right. No, they were really, really but good. But he's, uh, he plays it's a and, and he plays in a Dixie band. Dixieland Dixie? Jazz, yeah. 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 Interesting. Barbara Koppel, documentary filmmaker, made this movie called Wild Man Blues about him and uh, Sunyi mm-hmm. going off to Europe. Or yeah, Europe. Europe. To do like a tour or mm-hmm. something. Huh. And it's great. And he has that one line in there where they're in Venice and they're going down through the canals and people are just swarming <laughs> trying to take pictures of him. And he goes, Look at these. I'm gonna, now I'm going to do a bad video. <laughs> Please do. I'll do mine next. Oh, oh great. <laughs> he goes, Look, just, these people. We'll pay a dollar to see my movie, but they'll kill themselves for a picture of me on a gondola. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I worked with him. Oh, did you? Many years ago. I'm in Sweet and Lowdown. Oh, what about a great jazz movie. Oh, what a great movie. I, uh, I'm sitting next to Sean, Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Oh, uh, really? the rhythm guitarist in that film. And oh. I, I don't... I think you hear me speak in the film twice, and both times I'm off screen. Ah. But he wanted actors in the band for some reason. Because huh. he just kind of rewrite and try stuff during the shoot. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm just sort of this peripheral figure. But I'm in it a lot. I just, you see me a lot sitting mm-hmm. there. Right, right. Pretending so, to play rhythm guitar, which I did not play. I want to see Woody Speaking Allen of. and Steve Martin in a band together. Oh, little yeah. banjo. Steve Martin. Oh, yeah, banjo. little banjo clarinet, clarinet moment. Yeah. They could do some busking, maybe. Right, <laughs> they could work the train section, the, the train station in Amsterdam. There's a there's a great, I looked up on YouTube the other day, there's a great uh, uh, version, it might have been at Bonnaroo, because um, uh, Steve Martin's on tour with his banjo uh, right. and his band, and he's doing the uh, banjo picking version of King Tut. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I he's will, quite an accomplished uh, banjo player, he's right. a really good banjo player. I I will find that and put that in the notes. Hey, you guys, uh, it's uh, been almost an hour. Okay. Uh, our lives uh, have uh, have changed fundamentally. Um, we never got to talk about the fact that you're going to play uh, my comedy crush, Dick Cavett. In... We touch on it extremely briefly. Yes, it's. Uh, I'm very excited about it. We're going to have you back, and uh, we'll go more into acting. With my actor. With I made my... the cut in that. I hope I did. I haven't heard otherwise, but it's a one-scene it's a one-scene deal it's with the Tim Robbins. Deal, so you never know when you think the movie's running long. They go, "What can we lose?" Oh. I'm just, I'm just. I saw Dick Cavett and and Mel um, Brooks, Brooks. talk yeah, to each other. Yeah, over at the Wiltern here. or something yeah. like that. I was so bummed I couldn't go to. Oh that. my god, it was amazing! And uh, uh, Carl Reiner in mm. the audience oh, shouting yes. out. Uh, <laughs> 
two thousand year old man stuff. It was oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, it was a dream come true, quite honestly. Two and a half hours of fantastic. Though a friend of mine's parents were there and said it's a little cussy. Mel <laughs> Brooks was a little cussy, <laughs> and you're like, screw uh, you. Uh, so sad, too bad. Uh, so I went to the. I'm sorry, real quick. I went to the yeah. uh, Writers Guild tribute to the uh, 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 show of show writers. Oh, with yeah. oh wow! Brooks and Carl Reiner. Oh, actually, I take that back. It was a tribute to Larry Gelbart, who is mm-hmm. one of my favorite writers, and he was About wrote on that, that show. Yeah, that's and amazing. It had Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, couple and hours? Neil Simon, few hours because they did his whole career. Then, the, and it was, and they did a couple two. Those are lovely. I love great. those. It was awesome. So, right, where can people see you do stand up? Uh, stand up. I'm I'm off for a while. For all of February. All of February. Right? You're, but you're, then you're doing sets in, in uh, yeah LA uh, March? March 4th and 5th. I'll be at the Ontario Improv. But I'll be tweeting at at Murray V from the Oscars ceremony. Okay. So if you want to follow that, I just did that with the BAFTAs to a bit of success, I think. Okay. And uh, and people can f- and, and I'll put your Twitter uh, and you guys are both on Facebook and Twitter and yeah. all that stuff. I'm on the Twitter. You're at James Urbaniak, and yes. I I will put that in the notes. And uh, you get the Venture Brothers thing. Which uh, people can get DVDs. They should Venture get DVDs. Brothers, see that? What uh, uh, thrilling adventure hour! That's once a month over at Largo in Los Angeles. That's a show if you're in LA that we do every month. At Please Largo. do. And then a bunch of people who work on that show. We all made a movie together. Called and it's called Drones. And, oh right. Uh, that is going to have uh, a release on my DVD and cable and whatnot. I think pretty soon. Mike, okay, uh, and that was yeah, Acker Mike. and Blacker as well, Acker correct? and Blacker wrote it. Mm-hmm. The guys are right thrilling adventure, and it's a very funny... Uh, it's an office comedy with a sci-fi element to it. And I think it's going to be... Perfect for dorks. Some kind of a release in uh, March or April, sort of, you know, early springish period. So look for that. Drones. Look for that. Drones, Venture Brothers, at Murray V, mm-hmm. at James Urbaniak. Uh, I am at Jackie Cation, and I uh, am all over the place. Feel free to go to JackieCation.com and look at my schedule. Thank you for listening to the Dork Forest, people. Uh, you've done vital work, and enjoy your time away from the Dork Forest. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?